Give me head, give me head, give me headlines, and give me head. We can't babble on, but we can give me, give me, give me headlines, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Kevin Smith. And I'm your co-host, Ralph Garman. I forgot how the show begins, so yeah. I made up you a made new your, beginning. You made yourself the host, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> I didn't know there there was two different positions. I thought maybe we were this is my, together. I thought we were a team, This is my you're the host. My guest, Ralph yeah. Garman. Hi. Nice <laughs> to meet you finally, Kevin. I've been a big fan for a long time. Pleasure to be your guest on your show that you host. <laughs> oh, my God. We were just having a conversation off off mic right before we went about how I'm like, I can't live a life where like, it's not my life and I'm not in charge. And yeah. Well, that <laughs> proof positive. Let's try that again. Uh, it's how do we begin the show? Do you remember? What yes. do I say? How do I, what do I say? Just, you got to say, just give, give me head. There was something head. before that. There was a little preamble. I know. Oh, me. With, uh, hello, Hollywood. It's whenever this show's going to drop. It's time for it's, the, uh, it's to babble about show business. It's Friday night in Hollywood, so gimme head, gimme head, gimme headlines. I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Ralph Garman. Yeah, I guess that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. Mr. <laughs> <your> host. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Uh, welcome, welcome to gimme headlines. Final, welcome to the final <laughs> gimme headlines. I am the Lord God, <laughs> hot podcast host, Kevin Smith. <laughs> I'm the Duke of Bourbon. <laughs> In any event, how are you, kids? Um, we're fine. We're there, finally. Don't you miss a live audience, bro? Yes, so much. So deeply, the, achingly much. The validation, my friend. Just the sheer applause when we step out on stage. We don't have to do nothing. We just got to show up, and they're nice to us. Also a destination for a Friday. Like, yeah. look, leaving the house. Remember that novelty? <sighs> Um, being around people, I'm not even saying being around maskless people cause whatever the fuck, but like, you know, in that situation, you got to see how happy everybody was. Yeah. Um, yeah. even the pregame, we'll be in the back talking about what we're going to do and getting pumped up and okay, we got this segment. I'm going to need you to step in here and you're going to do this and I'm going to do that. Just, what are we, what are we doing this the week? locker room excitement before we even got out on the field was fun. And when we say locker room, like. We mean locker room, bathroom, because Ralph fucking, there wasn't a single show where this man didn't unsheath his fucking hog and let loose a fucking stream of his own waste right there in the parking lot. I was always so amazed by that. I'm like, you got to have, you got to either go to the bathroom real bad or you got to have confidence in a giant dick to whip it out in this alleyway, I says to myself. And he did it on the regular. Both are true. Yeah, that's I just I it's my pregame ritual. I need to empty my bladder because you know me. When I gotta go, I gotta go. So if I'm on stage and suddenly the, the it strikes, you're gonna you're gonna have to vamp for eight minutes while I run off to the bathroom. So I'm the other guy. I'm a camel man. It's like I yeah. can hold that shit for like days and whatnot. But yeah, man, there was that. There was fucking pulling up and chit chatting with the folks at the improv. Remember the dude would bring out the thing we had to sign every night? Yeah. Which wasn't like a legal document. It was just like for the just, for the books. Like just for posterity. Just yeah. to say, Oh, this is who was performing on this night in the history of the improv. And like we were such workhorses. Or, you know, I, I mean, look, I'm gonna maybe I, we were definitely workhorses, but I am um like 
I, I never spent any time in the bar. You, you would go to the bar. Did you ever, how soon did you notice our faces were up on the wall? Like, I didn't see uh, that until like way until we've been doing it for a long time there. Yeah. I found out on day one because I was in the bar and uh, Rita came up to me and said, have you seen our new decoration? And she pointed over to the wall and there I saw us. Fucking astounding. Yeah. God. I miss it so much, but yeah, pantheon of gods. We were there amongst the greats. It was humbling, I'll, and I'll never forget the first time I was in that club. I went for like a smodcast with Moj, and I don't know which way we came in, but it was definitely not the way you and I always came in. But they brought us through a hallway that had these framed pictures of Sandler, of like fucking Seinfeld, like goddamn legends where like i was like this is what they show you right before you go out like mm -hmm. this is a little fucking intimidating this is like looking at the dude whip his dick out in a parking lot and take a whiz <laughs> look at the confidence on that wall and i never really i never saw that hallway again but i remember the first time i was there i was like oh my god fucking like they well they did a little reconfiguring they did a a, a uh, renovation and i think they changed the, the the path to get in and out of the room because they, they added an additional restaurant space and stuff so it may have been a, a little gap in time between visits where they changed things around on you but the when, by the time we made it up on the wall like i remember feeling like oh my god like i remember when i looked up at the wall and i and mind you like i i, I was already like established as a filmmaker so it wasn't like me going man if i could be known one day like i was already known in a field and shit but still intimidated when I went to the improv and saw comedy legends. This is one thing to be like, hey, I'm known as a filmmaker. I was a, a fucking comedy fan and a stand-up fan longer than I was like, I want to be a filmmaker. Right. So seeing those pictures like really had an impact. Finding out we were in pictures had an even deeper impact where I'm like, we did it. And we weren't even trying. It's not like me and Ralph sat down one day and we we're like, how do we get up on that fucking wall? Yeah. How can we become improv royalty? It was never a consideration. Part of the but DNA. you have to think about it. The improv, as, as as famous as it is and as iconic and has it's been the launching pad of so many amazing careers, they hit a you know, they ebb and flow with like any other business. And there was a time when we were the show that was filling that room every week and they were deeply appreciative of the fact that we had this amazing audience and we delivered every week and we did a good show and I think they were they were grateful, so that was their nod to us. Isn't that nuts that we were essential at one point? We were essential workers. We were, yeah. For that place. Um, we did. like Because Ralph had the K-Rock gig, he was able to shine a fucking spotlight on that place for with advertising at every break on Showbiz Beat, talking about, like, hey, come see me and Kevin do Hollywood Babylon at the, at the Improv. You know, that's free fucking advertising for that place at a time when they they weren't like packing them in for whatever reason yeah. comedy was having a harder time or whatever and that's when podcasting kind of got to slide in there and um yeah we got to it's so weird man like the amount of hours i probably spent watching like improv based comedy i don't mean improv based comedy like you're a boss and a soccer ball but i mean like pro a comedy that was shot at the improv years before i ever got to go there and be on that stage and stuff that like brick that. wall right that iconic brick wall that we sat in front of for a decade. Yes. Um, like knowing that we're a little part of the DNA, that not only are we a little part of the DNA, like, oh, we played there, but like 
thanks to us, they were able to keep the lights on for a little bit longer. Could put some asses in seats. Like we were oddly like the main attraction for like a couple years fucking straight. Yeah, it was crazy. N- and never, I, I mean, I never uh, took it for granted, but I never really thought about it. Because it was such a like, hey, it's Friday night. Let's go fucking babble. It was always fun. The audience always made it such a fucking blast. Never felt like a yeah. fucking job. Like, oh my god, the joy. And then the literal your, your partner, your partner made it fun. You you had a good time with the talented partner that you were working my, with. There, I had a co-host. I can't remember who it no, was. Of you did because you're a host and you're too busy. I was, yeah, I was a host. Who could who could, who could remember <laughs> who else was on stage when you're busy hosting when you're the host of the show? You're preoccupied. Um, the yeah, the times the times that, like you know, like we're up there trying to make people laugh, but the times that we could genuinely find fucking humor in each other, and like the times I would genuinely laugh because, like, not because like oh he's fucking funny for these people, but like that was some brilliant fucking funny shit. Uh one day, right? We will again, sir. Remember the last bite at the apple we had was like at the drive-in, so it was a quasi version of that. Where yeah, that was that was as as good as it could be, but at the same time, it just kind of made me even miss the regular stuff even more because it was so sort of odd with the horns blaring instead of applause or comedy and stuff. Let me tell you something: if we really wanted to do it, there are places in the world where they're doing it like jay goes out on the road and, and i'm like what do you mean you go in like because i figured he's doing outdoor shit but he's like i've been in a comedy club and i was like you've been in a comedy club he's like they're spaced out it ain't you know like fucking looking at the normal room but like you know they're all there and some places he's been to they like mask up the entire time um, and some places are, you know, once the show begins, they, they are, they're allowed to drink up till the show and when the show begins, they got to mask up when he's on stage, but he gets to mask down very intricate set of rules, but there's live comedy out there happening and we could, you know, we could conceivably pull it off. Just not here in Los Angeles, really. Yeah. It- I had a friend who was doing similar things, clubs in uh, Florida and Texas and stuff with similar protocols. And sure enough, he came back and had the COVID and gave it to his family. So there there are no yeah. 100% safe situations yeah. to be in. You know, it's all a matter of risk management. And um, look, I, I and then you it. go like, how is it worth it? Because like at yeah. the end of the day, you know, let's let's say for a comedy club real big comedy club let's say on the high end we were able to walk out with like 10 to 15 grand to split right is seven to eight grand worth contracting you know of of covid and and not just like oh it's gonna take me out for a while but like as we've seen potentially die yes suddenly you're just like you know i guess we can wait I, i can wait that's how I feel. I got an I'd offer rather... recently. Jordan was like, there's uh this place wanted to you to come out. And, um, I was like, um, it was not, no famous place. It's not like I'm hiding their identity. It was uh, some place in Alabama. And so, you know, uh, she, I was like, ah, really? When she was like, it was months from now. 
And I was like, what is the offer? And, you know, the offer was, of course, predicated on, like, not being able to pack places anymore right. and stuff. But, you know, and, and I'm no snob, fucking, I like money as much as the next guy, but it was not a figure that, like, I could sell to my wife would be worth me leaving the house for. And honestly, it wasn't a figure that I could sell to myself where I'm like, I mean, you know, if I fucking triple mask, I might be able to pull this off or something like that. Those are getting fewer and farther between where it's like, what is risk worthy? Honestly, like the only thing that I'm thinking in my near future is like, all right, that's worth risking. It is clerks three like that. I'd be like, all right, well, we'll have a very small set, very tight cast. You know, maybe maybe we can pull this off and stuff. But many other things. I mean, look, we're fucking still zooming with each other. Yeah, and, and we I and friends. we we trust each other. It's not even like yeah. I'm like you dirty fucking stay out. But still, it's like it. This works, and we can still get the job done. And it's like one more layer of protection. I have friends who are working on sets. I got a friend who's a food stylist, and. uh she just got shut down because, I mean, they're tested every morning before they walk on the set. And still someone in the camera crew came up positive and had spread it through that side of the camera. And four people then tested positive and they were being as careful as you could possibly be. There is just no guarantees. You can try, you can mask and you can test and you can do all the things to, to mitigate all of the the dangers but there's no way to to assure yourself that you can't something south can't go south we've gotten offers here in los angeles there's a club they say we've got a digital wall of an audience everybody's virtual in the audience so you don't have to come in contact with anyone in the audience and i say well i guess yeah that's sort of like normal and then someone on the staff (laughs) tested positive so you know if you're going into a place a place you have to consider especially in la county there's there's a, there's a real risk involved. You're um, a hard patient. I got a kid who's asthmatic. I mean, there's people, and that's not just us. There's, you know, the people in our orbit and in our, in our bubble that we have to consider as well. That's the thing. It'd be easier to pull off if we were single people, you yeah. know, because then you're and only younger. thinking about yourself. Yeah, that as well. <laughs> um, in our 20s. Uh, but yet, as I'm a man in my 50s, like, my kids are in her 20s. <laughs> and I think I'd caution, like, it ain't worth it, you know? But she's working right now, and during production on her show, which they're shooting in Dallas, that has happened a few times where a crew person like gets it, and it, it, inadvertently, by the time they find out that they had it, they've already That's kind of thing. passed it on to four other people and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, we. Um, the, so there you uh, go. There's our show for today. Yeah. Got, think about that, fuckers. COVID's in the world. Here's yeah. some news. You want there's entertainment? A, You're making us risk our fucking lives to dance. Like little fucking puppets for you. Oh, so you can laugh and stream, you <laughs> selfish. First line, front line workers like me and Ralph. <laughs> Where's our vaccine? Yeah, what the fuck? Um, I, the, speaking of vaccine, man, you know, there is a vaccine uh, chaser uh, kind of uh, society right now in Los Angeles where... Yeah, you rich and famous people, you get to go to the front of the line. I, is that right? Because I can't pull that shit off, man. I believe me. I called my cardiologist while I texted him. I said, hey, man, like, you know, any... As a guy who suffered a heart attack, because I had my wife poking me to be like, see if you can get it. 
And he was like, uh, you'd have a better chance of getting it if you were had a heart attack age 45 as opposed to or 40s or something like that. But he was like, no, right now they're still 85 and up. He's like, you'll be in the next category. Just sit tight. Mm. And I was like, right on. And then I got off the text and went to my wife. You made me look like a fucking fool in front of Dr. Leidenheim. <laughs> Never again will I ask a medical professional for medical <laughs> advice. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why you get your nose out of joint because you reasonably suggest that you check in with your doctor. I asked that man for his medical expertise opinion and he gave it to me. You he shamed made an me. Asshole. <laughs> He's um, a doctor. He doesn't have time to give medical information to his patients. I guess you're right. I'm like, oh, dude, you should be married to my wife. You guys would be like a power couple. You both yeah, have your fucking. Sense. You'd have your shots already because you're both so pushy. Put a couple of fucking Karens. Want to push right up to the front of the fucking line. The two of you, Karen and Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, the Byron, uh, you know, as in Byron and Gail, my in laws, right. Jen's parents. They're on. They got their first shots. Oh, good for them. Yeah, they're old. For the first time, I was like, man, I wish I was old. But <laughs> no, there's... me. Yeah, fuck. They got it so easy. Uh, don't have to work. <laughs> don't have to give way for the shot. No, there's a... a uh, like, the folks that hang out by the clinics or the places where they distribute the shot because, you know, right now the shot is like, if we don't use it today, we got to hiss it in the garbage. Yeah. And like anything in life... No matter what what it is, even something like like this shot will save your life. If somebody schedules, there's a chance that they will cancel, and so that leaves open like holes in the schedule. So rather than waste, people are showing up at these places and being like, "Hey man, you got any shots left over? You got any of them vaccine scalpers? Yeah." And they're like, like outside the venue trying to get, "Hey, you got any tickets?" Pretty much. And so like anybody that's you know. If they've got time, if you're single, if you're fucking like, you know, I'm, I'm not anywhere near getting the vaccine. This is not like you beating somebody's grandma to the front of the line. This is literally the shit that they're going to throw out. Right. So they're like, we're either going to throw this in the garbage or we'll chuck it in your arm only because you're here and you ask. Not because it's like, this is a conspiracy and we want somebody's grandparents to die. Right. So with that, with being single and that kind of free time. Oh, shit, man. I'd be out in the world fucking chasing that free, not the free, but the, you can throw that vaccine out. I'll drink it. Like, you know, you'll be doubling down. Oh. We're getting three, four shots a day. <laughs> <laughs> cruising from clinic to clinic, just cleaning up. Didn't we see you here last week? Well, yeah, I'm here for my second shot. This is your eighth shot. I'm like, what? what? No. no, man. No, that was my brother, man. Not me. Just, Come hey, on. Who, I need, I need that vaccine, man. Come who's on, the, who's that over there? It looks like somebody jumping in front of an old person. Then I go running away, but I fall because I'm vaccine drunk and shit. <laughs> You're all hopped up on vaccines. <laughs> um, yeah. So Los Angeles, still a hotbed of COVID activity, though. They tell us, Ralph, that it must be going down because they opened up the state recently or opened up the city recently. And they're like, now you can go back into the outdoor dining and you can do certain things that we couldn't do for a little bit. Yeah, it turns out that those activities weren't nearly as treacherous in terms of, 
you know, inflating the numbers as the gatherings of people over holidays and things like that. Large groups of people in small confined spaces and they weren't taking precautions. Those were the things that were really problematic. But the outdoor dining and things like that, they had to stop it because of the overrun hospitals and things like that. But they feel now that they're safe enough. You can go back to some mitigated behavior, at least. What um, what else do they open up besides the the, the uh, outdoor dining? They're starting to phase schools back open, too. My kid's going back one day a week, starting next week. How delighted are you as a parent? I, You know, it doesn't bother me. I love having her around. And so, you know, when she's upstairs on the Zoom calls doing uh, that kind of stuff, uh, I, you know, it was never a problem for me. Mm. But the kids' education, it's not the same. It's better for them to be in a classroom. It's better for them to be interacting with their fellow students just the social dynamic alone is uh, detrimental i think so i'm happy she's going to get that can you imagine like um like the, what kind of effect we'll be measuring like on um these kids eventually grow up and all of these kids have this weird off year because of the pandemic right does it create some kind of blip in the system like i believe it has to affect their social development uh, a hair but here's the thing if if any generation had to deal with it this generation is best prepared given their access to zoom calls with their friends and facetiming and texting i mean my kids in constant contact with her friends it's not the face-to-face interaction that i think is the healthiest form mm. but she's not as isolated to say imagine if that happened to you or i back in the, the 70s or the 80s where hanging out with your friends at school that was it that's all you had unless you had some friends in the neighborhood or whatever and you wouldn't even have that so maybe phone calls other than that we wouldn't be in in touch with anybody that's true all these kids probably transitioned way better than any of us adults for sure for sure like oh my god you mean i'm gonna have to talk to people on my phone by a video chat that's what i do anyway dad what is pretty much was her take fucking wednesday I'm a way old man. Yeah. It's the 21st century. Um, is there any Hollywood news out there? Well, the only Hollywood news that really comes to mind tonight for me, I mean, I've been watching WandaVision, watch WandaVision. I haven't seen the latest one yet. I've been watching everything up until uh, today, so I haven't seen today's yet. Oof, today's. I know, it's amazing. And it's wait till you see what they do today. I can't wait. So, so, so good. good, that show. It really is. My kid like texted me the other day to go, like, I've, I've watched all three episodes so far. It's scary. I was like, what do you mean scary? She's like, it's really unnerving. I'm like, man, you should watch Twin Peaks. You think this is unnerving. That it really show. strikes me like that. Like yeah. Twin Peaks or even, remember the early season of Lost? Yeah. Where you were led to believe, well, they're just on an island. And then shit would just go south for a scene or a moment. And you're like, oh, you get that pit in the, in the bottom of your stomach saying things are just not right. Wait until so. you watch today's episode because it's like it firmly and like tells you where we are oh cool in the Marvel Some information universe. is given huh lots it's an information buffet lovely looking forward to it um speaking of superheroes yes. other news yes we finally got a uh, a delivery date for the snyder cut is that right what do you mean yes what do you mean hbo max hbo at max has announced the premiere of the snyder cut what is it what's the date march 18th so On that HBO is, Max, you'll be able to see all 27 hours of the uh, the Zack Snyder version of Justice League. A month and change from now. Set aside yes. a set week. Set aside a couple days yeah, so, you so you can watch the whole in. thing. 
Wow, man. The Thornbirds of superhero movies, ladies <laughs> nice and gentlemen. Nice pull. Thank you. <laughs> Go Google Thornbirds, kids. <laughs> um, wow. It's, uh, I didn't know that they, I didn't know that we didn't know the date. I thought it was like, yeah, Mark. No, we never had an exact date. They just, they just threatened us with it. And now they're making good on their threat. The bigger and news. And here's the thing. I will mock it and I'll make fun of it. You're going to watch I'm it. I'm not a fan, but I will absolutely be there on the day mm. when it drops in front of my television. I'm, a, I'm fine with watching. You know, know at one you point are. they were like, we're going to break it up into four separate things. But I'm glad that they're like, nah, here it is. Four hour movie. Gigantic fucking epic. I don't know why they made the decision to change, but I, I was all for it, man. Yeah. Um, the big uh, comic book movie news or genre news that I saw that made me kind of very excited for this property was, did you see that George Clooney is signed up for Legendary's relaunch of Buck Rogers in the 25th century? No. Isn't that an excellent piece of casting? If he is indeed playing buck rogers i hope he is i hope he's not i do too dr arkoff or something no that's fucking that's flash, flash gordon. gordon hopefully he's not dr theopolis hanging on fucking <laughs> twiggy's hope he's chest. not tweaky um but beedy, beedy, beedy. what Gee, a great Clooney. what a great piece of like what a great franchise for him to potentially have perfect and yeah like he's he's totally the guy do they do twiggy or don't they nah i think they're going back to the source material the the original strips from the I mean Buck Rogers is one of the first superheroes nineteen twenty six seven yeah. something like that yeah so I think they're going back to just the um Very you know, based based on the old uh not fairy tale but the the old tale of uh, Rip Van Winkle right who fell asleep under a tree and then woke up a hundred years later to a brand new world I think they're just going to go basically with that and use that as a jumping off point and then reimagine as they like to say. This is a dude who, uh, in in the old version, in the strips, I think he goes into a cave. Yeah, right. And that cave takes him, like, fucking... There's some gas or something in the cave that that knocks him out. Um, No, wait. Mongo is Flash Gordon. Yeah, Buck Rogers is just... On Earth, 500 years later. Yeah. Frozen as Gil Gerard. That's right. Gil Gerard definitely gets a cameo. Gotcha. Aaron Gray, too, I hope. Um, and was Wilma Deering part of the strip? She was. She was an OG character from the strip, yeah. Wilma is a fucking old 20s name, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I mean, nobody's Wilma in it anymore. Even really. older. It goes back to uh, the Stone Age. Yes. From the modern Stone Age. Family. That's right. right. That family. Um, the news uh, of the, the sad news of the week, Cicely Tyson died. Yes, even sadder for me was Cloris Leachman's passing. I thought she was going to live forever because you would see her in her late 80s and she'd be hilarious and dirty and sharp-witted and seemingly physically fit. And I said, she's going to last forever. And then sadly, she was taken from us. What an amazing performer she is. too. What is your favorite Cloris Leachman? Well, I got to break it down because she could do it all. She could do comedy and do drama. I find her turn in Last Picture Show devastating. Yeah. As that lonely, lonely older woman who enters into an affair with a teenage boy in that small Texas town out of sheer loneliness. And she recognizes it can't go on. And and he, you know, is going to leave her and, and leave her alone again. And it just breaks your heart. She's brilliant in that. 
And then, of course, Frau Blucher in uh, Frankenstein is just genius. No love. And the, nur- the nurse in uh, High Anxiety, too. Her work with Mel Brooks, I mean, just side-splitting. No love for when she took over the fucking Eastland School for Girls house. and That was like taking Tiger life. Woods and putting him on a, uh, a miniature golf course. <laughs> very just true. saying the, uh, the extent of her skill set was not exactly being stretched on that program but she was she was of course wonderful on it yeah cicely tyson of course sounder and what lilies of the field like a bunch of different uh, miss jane Pittman. miss jane Pittman. i think that's what i was thinking of uh my favorite cicely tyson is philly-based bust and loose ralph oh, of course <laughs> <yes>. where <coughs> she and richard Pryor <coughs> take a school bus full of <coughs> unwanted kids from Philly to a you know farm in Washington State, like outside of Seattle. Yeah. Um, if you've never seen the movie, like it's this uh, wonderful blend of comedy and and heart that I watched for like one month straight over and over again when we first got cable TV in the eighties. And fully recognize now that it's like buried deep in my creative DNA, a tone that I've chased many times in the flicks I've made. And I've literally stolen that KKK scene, a version of it for Jane Silent Bob reboot and stuff. And I'll never forget her performance in that scene when they face down the, you know, KKK and they play it for laughs, of course, where Richard Pryor convinces the clan that the kids are all blind and they're like, well, we'll help you move your bus and push it out the mud. <laughs> they push it out and then the bus keeps going. There's a shot, two shots that, you know, once they're on the move and shit and the kids are cheering and whatnot, the kids don't really understand what just happened and stuff. But Richard Pryor and Cicely Tyson's character definitely understand the reaction shots that they cut to, to the two of them taught me more in 1980, 81, about fucking racism than I'd ever mm. learned in my entire life. We grew up in a all white town. So, you know, racism it isn't a thing when there's, there's no one to be racist against. <laughs> so I remember, you know, watching that movie and the, the ex- expression of not just like, whew, we made it, but I know how fucking close we just came, like told a story without the dialogue Mm. Um, that's the mark of a strong performer. Of course, she was in many things. You know what I really liked to read recently was that Tyler Perry, Medea, the billionaire, um, said that, uh, or somebody said about him, he didn't say, he found out that like what she was paid for, for um, Sounder and, and Miss Jane Pittman and stuff. And so whenever he cast her in something, whatever her asking price was, he upped it three or four times. So no matter what her agent said, Tyler Perry was like, because Cicely Tyson was in a few of his flicks, he was like, pay her three, four times that to make up for what she didn't get paid way back in the day on, on those classics. That's awesome. What a, like, right? Everyone's always giving this dude shit. Fucking, he's the goods, man. He's a, no, he's a great, uh, really from everything great I've guy. heard, a really good guy. Yeah. And obviously successful. It's just his 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 content isn't, uh, well, it's not for me, so it doesn't matter. But I'm I, sure I'm sure a bunch of people who are like, fuck, you know, 
this podcast and fucking VSQ and all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But, but I think you should take that story to heart. And, you know, when Clerks 3 comes around, whatever role you, uh, whatever little role you find for me. Yes. I think you should look back on my body of work and say, well, this guy really should get three or four times whatever uh, the going rate is for, for his work because he too has, for a generation, has really where's your, mattered to a lot of people. Where's your sounder? What's your, where's your Joe Miss, Schmo show right there? Jane, that's my sounder. Your, that's Jane Pittman. What's that? That would be uh, <laughs> Playboy my, work, show. my work in Playboy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my work in Playboy. <laughs> Had had similar effects on young minds growing up. I think I, I made a difference. For like kids Ralph's life. reaction to that dildo shot taught me more about racism than more about sexism. I think probably yes. Um, in it, Shecky's up. You got oh. your doctrine on your side, right? Yeah, I, Reggie's. He was barking his head off when I started talking to you earlier because he thinks anytime I talk now that someone's in the house because he's too stupid to recognize the fact that. There are people, and then there are just sounds. You got the, you got the, you got a weird dog. Your doxy's Dumb. weird. This doxy's <laughs> fucking magic. I want to introduce them, but I know my doxy would just dominate your doxy. Yeah, he'd be fine with that. Really? He's, he's, he's used to being the sub in every situation <laughs> in his life. He's like, I'm a simp, man. He is. <laughs> put a little mask on him. Take him the gimp. Put him in a box. <laughs> Fuck. Well. There it is. I mean, there's also an right, impeachment, but you know, fucking those are the headlines. Not I the, think so. Not the biggest ones, but one last one. Uh, did you yeah. see the original host of uh, Wonderama died this week? Bob McAllister? No. See, that's the thing. I knew you would have a Bob McAllister reaction, but Sonny Fox was his name. He was the host before McAllister took over. So I don't think you ever saw any of his So he's work. the original Darren? Yeah, he's kind of responsible for the success of that show in the uh, early 60s. And then McAllister, of course, took over at the end of the 60s, all the way through, I think, the, the 80s. I and guess. McAllister but, died a while ago, right? Yeah, he died a while ago. This guy just passed. But so I thought the of original, you, because I know Wonderama was probably a big part of your childhood. It absolutely was. For those that don't know what Wonderama is, it was a kid's show, a live-action kid's show, where there was a host, <clears throat> and they had kids in the audience. Kind of like Krusty the Clown, if you ever yeah. watch The Simpsons. The Simpsons Kids is a TV show that started <laughs> decades ago that kind of like Bob's Burger, if you've never seen that. Only about a family of yellow people. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, man, it's uh, it, for me. Wonderama is kids are people too. wackadoo, 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 wackadoo. Bob McAllister made it out of this life. No allegations, right? All clean, right? Nobody. Yeah, all clean, apparently. So wait, how old was this fucking guy if Bob McAllister This guy died? was 95 when he died. And he's Passed like, away you know, this past Sunday here in L.A. from COVID-19, sadly. I'll tell you right now, McAllister may have taken my job, but I buried McAllister. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I won, Bob. I'm the winner. Sonny Fox is the winner. You took my job. I took immortality. <laughs> there can only be one. <laughs> Wonderama host. There must have been more Wonderama hosts because they've done incarnations of that show that I've never watched. Yes. I um, saw Bob McAllister in real life. I know, I know this is a Sonny Fox moment in the story, but I got nothing on him. But I saw Bob McAllister at the opening of Toys R Us, man. Him, Darth Vader, Chewbacca, and a Stormtrooper showed up. 
Wow. Eatontown, New Jersey, man. I'll never forget. That was the most famous fucking people I saw. Could you imagine? You're Bob McAllister, and you're like, all right, yeah, I guess I'll do the fucking toy store opening. And they're like, the kids aren't even, they're not even going to give a shit. They love the whoever's in the fake Darth Vader costume more than you. Yeah. Because he was not like, he was, you know, greeted with like polite applause, but it was like, move, old man. They were, everyone was looking for the future. I, in Philly, there was a chain called Kitty City. That was Lionel uh, Kitty City. Yes. That was our toy, toy store in my neighborhood. And I met Leonard Nimoy there. He did a, a meet and greet and signing when Mego was releasing their Star Trek action figures. The dolls? The fucking. Yes, yes. He went to the store? He went to the store. I don't in know what they were paying him, but in he showed Philly? up. In Philly, yeah. Holy shit, man. Yeah, that was pretty big. That was a big deal to me. Was there a spot. huge line? Huge line. Yeah. Lionel Kitty City. I never got to see that, but I saw commercials for it every once in a while. Yeah. Um, we had Toys R Us came at one point. Before that, it was Child World. Child World and Toys R Us were side by side. But then there was another toy store um, that was, oh, Play World, a world of toys. Yes, great yes. for girls and great for boys that I only saw on the New York show feeds. Play Did you have World. Did where prices go so low, 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 play world. Ladies and gentlemen. Dude, I'll be on my grave and I'll be able to tell you that. People will be like, tell us about your life. And I'll be like, play world, a world of toys. They're like, that's his rosebud. And anybody who knows me will be like, he never went. He just saw the commercial so many times. The story behind the story here. Is he watched too much TV as a child? He was raised by a television. He had loving parents, but he chose a TV, a black and white rabbit-eared TV over real love because the Batman TV show was more important than his family. That's what that story tells. Well, kid wasn't wrong. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I got what I got from them, and I got what I needed from the other. And let me tell you something. Even my mother in this day and age would be like, knowing what's happened now, I, I'm I'm fucking glad I let this kid watch a lot of fucking Batman after school. You were in a vocational school. <laughs> you yes. were literally you were literally training for a career at that age. No other kid was planning and training for their career at that age. You were getting shit done. Let me tell you something, man. Like if I'm my mom, I'm rewriting history and be like, fucking it was all part of the plan. Build a little. We pop would duct culture. tape his face to a television and force him to watch it because we wanted him to be successful. And I was alone in that shit. Did you have your hand held? Did you have somebody who was watching like shit with you? Like you no. weren't brought into it. You were like leading the charge. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I didn't have like a fucking father figure like myself who forced like my fucking fandom on my kid or whatever the fuck. My father more hands off, you know, when we were kids, our parents went to work and did housework. And if we they were their stay at home moms and the dads went out and earned and you had to go do well in school. But that was kind of your thing. And they didn't really work with you so much on that. And then after school, you just they let you go and do what you wanted to do. And for me, that was hours and hours of television. And then on Saturday mornings, I'd get up before they would and turn on television and watch it till noon when all the good shows disappeared. I mean, it was. But they didn't care. It was like, okay, that's what the kid does. It's his, it's his time. 
anybody that like frets over like this current generation with their fucking faces and their phones, it's like, you know what? We were a generation with our faces and a much larger screen. Yeah. Uh, I think we were given a certain amount of latitude that allowed us to grow and find our own interests and things like that versus the overscheduled lives of kids who have uh, soccer practice at 3.30 and violin lessons at 4.30. And they're scheduled within an inch of their lives. And my take is always, how's a kid supposed to just fall into something that they discover they love by accident without some grown-up telling them it's good for them and they need to learn it? And, and, and probably asking them to put it aside so they can pursue the things that are like important, like violin and fucking <coughs> academics, man. It's, it is crazy. Like fucking something that she would have been roundly criticized for mm-hmm. is like the difference maker. Like, you know, and that path made all the difference in the words of Robert Frost. sort and of. She, and she's like, you know, say what you will now. My, because I let that f- fucking stupid fat kid watch a lot of Batman in the seventies. I live in a house. I'm living like a queen. Yeah. Like he's fucking put me on a payroll. He's been taking care. Like say what you will, but television works. That's a campaign. As you know, a lot of people are cord cutting. They need yeah. to hire my mom for a fucking nationwide campaign. Television works. She could be the Nancy Reagan of. Uh... <laughs> Of television. People like, who is, just say no. Who is this woman? Is that Joe Biden's grandmother? Well, who is this? Watch no. more TV, kids. That's the mother of Kevin Smith. Who? The fucking King of Queens? Oh, fucking. No, Smith. Silent Bill. Oh, fucking. Was, what is she on TV for? I don't know. He watched a lot of TV as a kid. I, You know, he was a Weight he's Watcher a spokesman dollars. at one person point. Now it's this. Like. You could buy his loyalty, I guess. And this week, fucking, they bought his mother. <laughs> and he's, <laughs> he's a complicit, I guess. The whole family's for sale. <laughs> what a bunch of whores. <laughs> the Smith whorehouse. You think those Kardashians? Brother, he's got a brother. He's gay. We'll make him sell some gay stuff. We've got all kinds, got all kinds of products for the Smiths. You think the Kardashians are shameless? <laughs> <laughs> Smith and his mom and his brother, his sister, his child, his wife, his friends, podcast pals. They're all up for grabs. <laughs> up to no good and up for grabs. It's a swamp. <laughs> so watching a lot of tv as a kid makes you a whore that's really that's what we've distilled it down to i tell you man like anytime like they asked me to host something or like just this morning uh nate the great dark nate returns nate Gon- gonzalez who does our artwork all the time for our live shows and whatnot when we do babylon out and we did our last babylon poster for the drive-in yeah um he put up uh he texted me to be like you're on let's make a deal this morning and like I, I shot it like a month ago or something like that, two months ago, where a quick like appearance on Let's Make a Deal, where like I'd been on a previous episode and I was just like, I'll do this job anytime you don't want to. And so they brought me in as the gag of like, you know, Wayne's like, I'm tired of doing this. Like, you know, maybe somebody else could take over. And I got to like, Let's Make a Deal and shit. Oh, fun. It was good times. But apparently it was on, the episode was like on this morning. So somewhere in the streams of time. All right. So it's like, when I got that text, it was like, you know, let's say 7.30 in the morning. Somewhere in the streams of time, 7.30 in the morning on the West Coast is 10.30 in the morning on the East Coast. And it's, you know, I'm 50 now, but fucking 
let's say, 40, 44, 40 to 44 years ago, I'm in front of a TV watching daytime reruns of Let's Make a Deal. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It's fucking more of that just fuck i want to crepe the universe right where like it just keeps folding in and on itself i know i'm really high right now so we should end the show because <laughs> <laughs> we've entered the make a deal multiverse theory that's where we are which by the way like last night was like the greatest night of my life in my marriage in like the last 10 years wow. where my Jeez. wife you yeah you'd think I, we had champion sex but she was just like i'll watch a marvel movie with you and i was like thank you so we watched uh civil war and she loved it and she was like what else you got and i was like let's watch dr strange so i watched the dr strange with her in Doctor Strange, like back then, they were casting the 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 die for the multiverse. They kept saying it over and over again. Like she draws power from the multiverse, out in the multiverse elsewhere. Like so, they've been laying the fucking bricks, and now we're about to see the multiverse play out in fucking full. And it begins with WandaVision. Just to bring yes. it back to the to the current and the relevant. All right, like I said, I'm stoned. We gotta get out of here because we All got right, fucking some babbling down. to do, ladies and gentlemen. Um, for Gimme Headlines, I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Ralph Garman. I'm your host, Kevin Smith. <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> I'm, I was his guest, Ralph Garman. <laughs> and we just gave you, gave you, gave you head. Lines. Give me head, give me head, give me headlines. And give me head. Um, um, um. This podcast has been produced exclusively for members of that Kevin Smith Club.com.